It's the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Sean Del Grand. And we've got over 800 brand new Mazdas with outstanding incentives, like low monthly lease payments and low APR financing. Yep, it's just a great time to buy. So don't miss the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Financing on approval of credit. We have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. There's not many teams at the beginning of the year that can say that. We have a chance to, and, and it's got to be on us to make that happen. You're listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide with Ted Ramey. This is our opportunity. Our time is, is now. Our window is now. 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 Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Morning Tide, the official Sharks Morning Show podcast. I'm your host, Ted Ramey, reminding you that each new episode of Morning Tide drops the morning after each San Jose Sharks playoff game. And wow, that win last night was huge. I think it was bigger than a lot of people are giving it credit for. Logan Couture was a monster. Timo Meyer was a stud. Martin Jones was a badass. This was a huge Sharks win to take a 2-1 series lead and take back the home ice advantage. And I'm going to be very blunt as to why. I do not see the San Jose Sharks winning Game 4 in Colorado. They looked gassed in Game 3 because it's at elevation. They are coming off a 7-game series. They have been working their butts off in all of these games so far. And the way the Sharks looked throughout this game, they were getting more and more tired. It was a gut check. It was a hold on. It was a see what you can do to try and keep them from scoring. They were not really on the attack until they gave up the 2-2 equalizer. And then suddenly that reinvigorated Logan Couture and the entirety of the Sharks offense. But even after that point, it was still a very, very tired Sharks team that we were watching. And I was sitting there going, if they lose game three... I think they're going to lose game four. Then suddenly you're putting them in another situation where they're down three games to one. I don't think the Sharks have another four goals in a five-minute major penalty ready to just surge them to the next round. I don't know when Joe Pavelski is going to be back. I don't know if they're going to be able to reach deep once again to come back from a 3-1 deficit. When the Sharks gave up that game-tying goal that made it 2-2, to I really had thoughts going through my head of, oh my God, Is this series over? Are they going to be down 3-1? Are their backs going to be against the wall? Because I just didn't think they were going to win game four. And the way the Sharks looked, I thought they were going to lose that game. When they gave up the game-tying goal, in light of the fact that they had had a poor power play over the course of the game, in light of the fact that they had looked just not great as the game went on, in light of the fact that they were getting robbed by Grubauer or the post or the crossbar at various points of the game, I thought things were... We're trending against the Sharks, but that is why a guy like Logan Couture puts the onus on his shoulders. He talked about it before the start of the game. He said it at morning skate. He said that he and his line needed to be better, and he was going to put that on his shoulders, and he did it. Logan Couture is an absolute savage in the Stanley Cup playoffs. This stat's been going around. I know we saw Brody Brazil talking about it on Sharks Playoff Live after the game. Since 2010, Sidney Crosby has 42 goals, Logan Couture has 43, and Alex Ovechkin has 50. 
That is insanely elite company and just tells you how good Logan Couture has been over the course of his career when it comes to the playoffs. They were talking about it on the national TV broadcast. When it gets into the playoffs, Logan Couture turns into a different person and he turned into a different person again in game three to give the Sharks not just a hat trick, not just the early lead, and not just the empty netter to seal it. He gave them the momentum and he gave them the, in my opinion, the biggest win of the series because I still don't expect them to win game four. I could be wrong and I would love to be wrong, but this Sharks team was running on fumes and they went to the tank and Logan Couture still had something there. He gave them the fuel, he stoked the flames, and he helped get them a huge game three win. Here's Couture moving left to right. Three-man attack down the right to Nyquist. Across the line, cuts in, loses the puck. As he gets it back in the corner, he had a chance to shoot it, but he had to go to the corner to get it. Now Myers shoots, save made. Rebound, Couture, backhander, score! Logan Couture on the rebound. Makes it one nothing Sharks. That is a great goal. Yeah, that's our boy Dan Rusinowski, who we are going to be talking to in the next 10 minutes or so. But that was huge because Logan Couture, again, he had talked about it before the game, wanting to put the onus on his shoulders, wanting to be a bigger part of the offense. He knew they missed an opportunity in game number two when they took the early lead, but were not able to capitalize upon it more, were not able to put more in the back of the net, and they found themselves on the wrong end of that decision. He led the way in game number three, and the Sharks were atoning for the mistakes that they had in game number two. Timo Meyer came through in the clutch as the first period was winding down. Back in the neutral territory, the Avalanche just breaking back. And it'll be picked back up right now by Colorado. Johnson, lead pass, intercepted by Meyer. He races across the line, moves to his left on Johnson, shoots it off the post, and he scores! Timo Meyer, a spectacular goal. You might count that as the fifth post the Sharks had in this period, but it's in. Sharks two and the Avs zero. Yeah, a huge goal for the Sharks to go up 2-0 before the end of the first period. You flash back to what happened Sunday night. They were only up 1-0 after the first period. Even though they were the much better team, they played a staggeringly good 20 minutes. They were not rewarded with more than one goal. Grubauer was in that game exceptional as well. And the Sharks were not able to capitalize. They found themselves on the wrong end of a 4-3 decision. And mainly, the talk after the game was how they weren't able to get more goals in that first period. So suddenly, even though the Sharks scored that first period goal and were the much better team, they gave up two goals in the second period, fell behind 2-1, and then things got a little wild late in the third period. It ended up in a 4-3 finish that also included an empty netter and a goal for the Sharks with 10 seconds left. But... The fact of the matter is the Sharks recognized that they did not score enough early in game number two, and they rectified that in game number three. Now, the Sharks definitely could have had more than two goals in the first period. They could have had, at one point, I think a 5-1 lead or a 5-2 lead by the time Colorado got their second goal, but that's not the way it went down. However, it should not be overlooked that Martin Jones had another absolutely phenomenal game. Off the draw, trouble in front. Great save by Martin Jones. A tremendous stop off Colin Wilson, who was right exactly where he wanted to be in the middle of the slot. That's one of the big saves of the game right there. 
Knocked down by Landeskog at the Sharks' line. Gains the zone. Turned it back. Barry cross ice. McKinnon. Trouble. Shot. Saved by Martin Jones off Wilson. What an opportunity. What a stop by Martin Jones during this power play with 12.56 left in this first third period. Yeah, another awesome performance from Martin Jones. He had 27 saves. Yes, he did let in two, but neither of them were goals that I think you get particularly upset about. In giving up two goals or fewer, I believe the Sharks improved to 37-0 and on the year, which just shows you how important this stat is. They are undefeated when they give up two goals or fewer. And you heard about it after the game. These guys all acknowledge the fact that Martin Jones did not have a great regular season, but they knew he was better than those numbers. And Martin Jones has rewarded the team's faith. Just like Logan Couture has rewarded the Sharks faithful, the Sharks give up the game-tying goal. You're tied at two in the third period. The team looks gassed. And then 65 seconds later, who else but Logan Couture gives the Sharks the lead. Opportunity for Meyer to steal the puck from Zadorov. Couldn't do it. Gets it back. Down low to Couture. Holds it, shoots it, score! Logan Couture ties the game with a wrist shot from the low right-wing face-off circle that goes top shelf. The Sharks lead 3-2 with 7-10 to play. It's Couture's second goal of the game and eighth of the playoffs. But Logan Couture was not done yet. He then notched the empty netter for the Sharks to seal it. Barry turned away from Logan. Now lost it as he fed it across the ice. Goodrow looking to make the play to Couture. Lost the puck on the block. Colorado lives to fight another day here. Loose puck. Couture shoots toward the empty net. He scores! The hat trick for Logan Couture. He's surrounded by his teammates as the Sharks get the empty netter. And the hat trick for their leader up front and Logan gets his third goal of the night ninth of the playoffs the Sharks will win this one 4-2 just a massive night for Logan Couture and we're going to talk about him for a while and we're going to talk about Martin Jones we're going to talk about Timo Meyer. but I don't want to forget performances like guys from Brent Burns and Mark Edward Vlasic and Eric Carlson who had huge nights particularly several moments when the Sharks were on the penalty kill the biggest penalty kills of the season and they came through with with flying colors. This was a game that the momentum, that the crowd, that the game flow, everything was in the direction or in favor of Colorado the later into the game it got, but the Sharks were able to weather the storm. That's not how things usually happen in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Just ask the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Things Momentum, when it swings, it swings hard, and it was swinging hard against the Sharks, but again, they were able to manage, they were able to deal with it, and they came up with big performances across the board. Big performances are what you need in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and that's exactly what the Sharks got on this night. And we now have joining us on Morning Tide, the one and only Dan Rusinowski, of course, the radio play-by-play voice of the San Jose Sharks. And remember, you can use the NHL app or kfox.com to sync your viewing of these Sharks playoff games with Dan's radio broadcast, which is the best way to take in each and every Sharks playoff game. Dan, how are you doing? A big night for the Sharks, a big win for the Sharks. Um, yeah, you know, I imagine you're in a good mood. I, I guess so, Ted. It was a pivotal victory. It was dramatic. It was uh, filled with uh, fraught with problems and angst and everything else you get in, the, in a hockey game. But uh, what an unbelievable performance by Logan Couture. He was just so good. And that was the best part of it. It was the first hat trick in eight years, by the way, for a Sharks player in the playoffs. 
and only the second time, if I'm if I'm correct in my quick look at it, uh, that it ever happened on the road. Wow. The last two times uh, were on the road. Devin Setaguchi in Detroit in 2011, and, and since then, no Sharks player had a hat trick before this game. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you're right, Dan. It was a huge performance from Logan, and he talked about that at morning skate and leading up to this game. He put the onus on his shoulders. He said that he had to be better and that his line had to be better, and that's exactly what happened. They realized they missed opportunities in game number two, and they seemed to make the greater attempt to rectify that in game number three. You know, this goes back to the Stanley Cup playoffs in 2016 when Logan scored 30 points in the playoff series all the way through the final. And this guy, when the game is on the line, he's there. And uh, Brody Brazil actually tweeted out something pretty cool tonight, that since 2010, uh, Logan Couture is second to Alex Ovechkin for Stanley Cup playoff goals. That's incredible. Think about that. And think about the fact that how little – people around the league really talk about him in terms of big game playoff performances. Uh, he has more goals than Sidney Crosby and Sidney's not getting any more this year. So I, I think that neither is Ovechkin. So who knows what's <laughs> going to happen, but I just think that it shows you exactly where he belongs in the pantheon of stars in the NHL. He's right there at the top. Yeah. And it's funny because Logan Couture is such a great player, but the, it's, it's not easy to overlook him, but I think in the grand scheme of the Sharks and how they're viewed across the league, this has been Jumbo's team or it's been Pavelski's team or people are looking at Brent Burns because he's such an interesting character and he's the offensive defenseman or they're talking about Eric Carlson. Um, you know, Logan Couture can get lost in the mix of so many high caliber players there are in San Jose or have been in San Jose and he just kind of quietly goes about his work and Maybe people don't notice just that year in, year out, he's so good, Dan. And then particularly in the postseason, his game elevates to as high a quality as anyone that's in the NHL. I mean, being second to Alex Ovechkin is not – no one's going to take umbrage with that. Well, no, not at all. And, and in fact, he's probably right up there in Selly's after that first goal. Let me tell you, he (laughs) he really was into it, making the statement basically with that play that he was here to to, to have a great game. And I I just loved it. You know, I've always said that Logan Couture is one of two players on this team that hates to lose more than anybody. The other one being Joe Pavelski. And I I just think that those two guys, everybody hates to lose. We all know that. But I I just think that these guys hate it more than anybody else that I've seen. Mm -hmm. And it's that extra competitive edge that that I think makes them great players. No, I agree 100%. And you can see that from him on the ice tonight. And, yeah, just leading the way, Logan Couture. And especially, you know, the other thing to take into account is that Joe Pavelski still hurt. The Sharks have been able to win two games in this series without Joe Pavelski. That means these other guys have to step up, and we go from Logan Couture to Martin Jones, who I thought deserved more support in game number two, and that was a weird game, and I don't hold him responsible for um, you know the final score because obviously there was an empty netter, and you know even the goals he's letting in right now, whether it be in game two or game three, there's nothing wrong with any of those goals. Sometimes he's just getting beat. That'll happen to the best goalies in the NHL, but Martin Jones in particular, if you want to take it back to game six of that series versus Las Vegas. And I think you kind of discount game seven because that was just strange. That was a one-off game. But, I mean, Martin Jones has been fantastic. I mean, he looked 
great again tonight. And, you know, you had two great calls, a big save in the second, another big one in the third. Martin Jones did everything right. He did. And, you know, he's elite. When he makes those big saves, it doesn't matter what the score of the game is. We always we, we always used to say this about Auntie Niemi. Uh, you know, back in the day when he was winning Stanley Cup for Chicago, mm-hmm. he'd win the 6-5 to five game. So he'd find a way to make that big save at the biggest moment of the game. Uh, I think for Martin Jones, it's more dialed in than that. He's, he's a goaltender that is just so smooth at what he does when he's on his game. He's feeling good. He's going through the process. And we had a little feature between the second and third periods about that with Martin and where he was talking about how when things weren't going well in the Vegas series, what exactly he did to try to kind of turn things around. And what he did was he said he shut his brain off, basically. <laughs> that he went back to the to the process of of going through the preparation with Johan Hedberg as his coach and uh, and with uh, just his game day routine and how he, he kept visualizing how well he was going to do in games and things like that. And I, I think that going through that process and shutting the mind off and certainly not reading the newspapers about any criticisms he might have had uh, really helped him. And, and he has just been fabulous since then. Again, we are talking to the radio play-by-play voice of the San Jose Sharks, the one and only Dan Rusinowski, joining us here on Morning Tide. It's interesting to watch Jones, Dan, because there's been this transformation in his performance over the course of these playoffs where, you know, he was getting benched in the middle of that series against Las Vegas. And then suddenly something changed in his overall dynamic, whereas he was tentative now he is more aggressive in the crease and you can see you can literally perceive when you're watching him that he has seen the puck better have you been able to really figure out what exactly changed i mean beyond the the turning off his brain but it just seems like his entire dynamic he's much bigger in the crease and it seems like that's increasing with each passing game well it comes with confidence and that's what you know 80% of goaltending is how you feel about yourself and that's what Warren Strela was always such a, a great expert to, with with the early years of the Sharks but I, I I think that the other the other factor is the defense is really doing a really good job in front of him and I think that, that they're letting him see the puck they're keeping the the play to the outside as much as possible and yeah Colorado's going to get their chances Nathan McKinnon is such a great player you can't not get a couple of great chances a game but I just think that uh that that keeping the puck on the perimeter and making him feel confident early in the game where he gets a couple of saves in and then feels better about everything is a key to it psychologically for him and for any goaltender it's not just Martin Joes it's no secret it's just that every goaltender has to go through that and I think that everybody feels better when they make a couple of good saves early. He, he had a couple of unbelievable saves on on Colin Wilson, who's just among one player who had so many chances to score in this game, number three. And and I just think that uh, that he deserves a lot of credit for that. You talked to, when we first started this segment, Dan, about the fact that this was a a big win for the Sharks. It was dramatic. It was it was huge to me because honestly. They started looking gassed to me in the early goings of the third period and maybe even later in the second. And it's a 2-1 game and they give up the equalizer. Suddenly it's 2-2. And I really thought at that point I was doing the, you know, the mental gymnastics in my head thinking, uh-oh, they're gassed right now. I think they're going to be more gassed in game number four. Clearly momentum has swung in favor of Colorado. 
they could find themselves down three games to one once again. Do they have it in them once again? And then 65 seconds later, Logan Couture does put them back in front 3-2. But it's not just Logan Couture that got them on the board there. He scored the goal, but immediately there was a team-wide response. There was a galvanizing effect that happened on the Sharks after they gave up that equalizer. And I just want to know if you saw it as clearly as I did. Well, you do, and it comes from the drink stirs. You know, Logan Couture is a guy who, as I said earlier, hates to lose, and he's the guy that sort of willed his way to that victory on, you know, with the team on his back. And, you know, Martin Jones did it early in the game with some huge saves, but I think Logan did it when it really mattered the most in the third period and basically pushed them over the edge with Jones and Grubauer really fighting it out with with good goaltending performances. So um, that was just wonderful to see. And we're looking forward to more of that, obviously, with, with a lot more playoff games to come. Did you feel that it was as dire as I did? I mean, I again, we don't know what would happen in Game 4, but a second game at altitude, in my opinion, would have been extremely taxing for this Sharks team. And I was just thinking, hey, escape, get out of here with a win, and that's gonna that, that changes everything. Well, it, it does change it because you have the advantage two games to one. But the other part of it is is let's not forget that Game 4 is going to be really hard because of what you're talking about, the fact that the, the Sharks aren't uh, used to being in the altitude. I, I actually think that the Sharks dealt with that in some degrees better than Colorado did, with both teams being uh, at sea level, basically, or close to it in the Bay Area uh, for, for about a week. So I, I thought the Sharks did a good job of that. But it's the depth that made the big difference for the Sharks in the game and, and the fact that they've, they've trained well. But... Um, I think that game four is going to be really, really difficult for that very reason because of the mental fatigue. And there are moments where the Sharks have had mental fatigue in a, in a partial carryover from the Vegas series. That happened in game number two. They got it back in time to put together a rally at least to make it a 4-3 loss in game number two. But uh, I think that mental fatigue occurred a couple of times here in game three where you know they had a couple of bad changes. Burnsy was a little bit tired. That's where they got the two-minute men on the ice penalty. Yeah. Couldn't get off on, on it quickly enough while they were changing. Plus mentally, Dylan coming on the ice with, with Eric Carlson. Uh, they were on the ice maybe a split second too soon. It's just one of those little things that happens, a little detail that, that changes the balance of power in the game. And, of course, when it came to that, Martin Jones shut the door when it really mattered the most. And so that was a real team effort. This this was uh, a tremendous sign for the Sharks, for their hopes for uh, what, they're, what they're looking forward to, maybe getting scheduled games in June. If they're going to do that, they have to get through games like this, but they also have to make sure that they – uh, understand how difficult it is to get through games like this. And You know, we've been talking about Martin Jones a lot, but I feel like we would be remiss if we did not mention Grubauer because he put forth just another awesome performance. And, you know, whether he was getting help from the, the posts or the crossbar at a couple of key moments, it doesn't really matter because there were several moments where he made big stops and the Sharks, they, I mean, that's the thing, Dan, is it's, it's so hard this time of year, even though I do perceive the Sharks as a better team than the Avs. That by no means, uh, by no way means that it's going to be an easy victory or anything close to it. It's going to be a hard battle each and every game and probably harder than we even think. I mean, the Sharks on paper have the talent over this Avs team, but they still had to battle until the waning moments of the game to put it out of reach. Well, do they have a better first line than Colorado does? I don't think so. 
Colorado is unbelievable. Their top line that McKinnon, Rantanen, and uh, and Landeskog when they're put together is as good as any line in the game right now. And and McKinnon is an absolute monster yeah. on the ice. So you have to respect that and you have to understand that. Yeah, you're right. The Sharks have more depth than than the Avalanche do, and that's probably the X factor. But uh, you cannot discount that on any given night, the Colorado team is extremely competitive. And so they're going to be that way for the rest of the series. It's going to get harder. And this is going to be a growth period for them. Let's say the Sharks are able to win this series. Colorado is going to look at this series as a real building block for their ultimate future. Now, if the Sharks lose the series, obviously that would be a major disappointment. And Colorado would be building that block a little bit faster. So it can still go either way. It wouldn't surprise me, uh, regardless of what happens in game number four, Sharks could easily be up three games to one, or it could easily be 2-2 going back to SAP Center for game five. Um, but it's going to be really exciting. That's one thing we can count on. Oh, most definitely. And again, we're talking to Dan Ruzanowski right now, of course, the radio play-by-play voice of the San Jose Sharks here on Morning Tide. Um, one player that I think might get overlooked tonight, because we're going to talk about Logan Couture, Martin Jones, Timo Meyer. I thought Brent Burns had a really, really good game, and so many of those huge penalty kills for the Sharks tonight, Dan. He was making just... You see these effort plays, and he's given up his body, or he's just whipping around like a helicopter to try and stop a pass, or after he's missed the first time, he's trying to go back and get it a second time. I, you know, watching him put forth that type of effort, not that it's unusual per se, but it just it seems like it's so visceral and it's so noticeable when it's Brent Burns because we talk so much about the offensive side of his game. When he does commit to the defensive side of things, he just has such a huge impact on games. He's had a great year. He's, he should win the Norris Trophy, in yeah. my opinion, as the best defenseman in the game. Whether he does or not, well, there are a couple of other really good candidates too, but I still think he's been the best overall this year. And it's because he he trains to be the best. He wants to be the best. He's thinking about it all the time. He's doing whatever it takes to be that that man for his team. And uh, I thought I've thought through the whole series that he's been uh, you know he'll do things that are crazy. He'll he'll you know twist his body into a pretzel to make a <laughs> defensive play. And he's able to do that because of his incredible athletic talent. Um, you wish that he wouldn't necessarily put himself into that position sometimes, but it's part of his desire to to make that great play for his team. So uh, that comes from any offensive defenseman's instincts. Yet this season also defensively, he's really uh, been bearing down in terms of trying to be in the right position, right place, right time, have the good mindset for um, tough situations on the ice. And all in all, he's been really brilliant. And we've seen, again, Mark Edward Vlasic and Eric Carlson um, continue to improve. And, you know, with Vlasic, the first half of the year, he wasn't the same guy. And there's, you know, a number of reasons of why that was. And then Carlson, he's getting healthier still and still getting better. Um, what, what stood out to you about Vlasic or Carlson tonight? Yeah, blocking shots, getting in the way, being a, 
being on the ice when all the best players were on the ice on the other side and making their life difficult. To, to me, that's what they do. Vlasic defensively as well as anybody else. Carlson doing it in both ends of the rink with that, that, that great ability to rush the puck or shoot it or whatever, but also defensively. So it, it's, uh, you know, and Burns is Burns. He's just a monster this year. So that's a, that's a great problem to have with your team. The <laughs> tough part is that they all want to be on the ice at that, that critical moment. They all can't be out there. So um, you have to make sure that you manage that ice really well. I think that's going to be important for game four. Nice to see that people like Joachim Ryan and, and Justin Braun and Brendan Dillon um, having great moments in this game too because I think that's the key to winning the Stanley Cup. They, they can't ride that, the, uh, that wave all the time this early in the playoffs. You don't want those big guys to run out of gas or at least be in a position where uh, maybe they're not 100%. And so you need to have people like Joachim Ryan, Brendan Dillon, Justin Braun certainly. I mean, he was great tonight mm-hmm. in the penalty kill. So those guys need to be there, too, and I think that they have been and will be. While we're talking about more of the the support cast, I thought the fourth line tonight for the Sharks had a really good game, and I thought that Haley in particular, he went out there and made some very physical plays, but clean physical plays. You know, he woke up the Sharks, I thought, at a couple moments and really kind of got the the abs on their heels with some of his physical play. What, What did you think of that? Well, especially with Zadorov. I mean, Zadorov is a big, big behemoth for, for <laughs> Colorado. And he, you got to give him credit. He's effective. But Haley was ready to challenge him, and he wanted no part of Michael Haley. That was really quite something, that confrontation that they had during the course of the game tonight. And Michael Haley is going to do that every time. He's going to give what he's got for his team. Uh, I, I, I think that Barkley, Goodroy, Milker, Carlson have been doing that on the PK and a lot of other areas throughout the playoffs. But I think it was Haley's night amongst those three guys. They, they, he really did stand out for, for me, too. Again, we're talking to Dan Rusinowski here on Morning Tide. So we heard the Sharks talk about it after the game. They said they still, even though they were able to slot two in the first period, that they need to work on putting more in the back of the net when they're given those opportunities. So do you expect more of that first period push from the Sharks in game four? Because that can be dangerous. You can, you know, you can kind of shoot yourself out and tire yourself out if you go too hard in that first 10 minute period of the uh, of the first period. So do, is there a cadence they have to find or is it just make those opportunities there, even if they're not the most obvious ones in the world? Well, it, it's an organic world, isn't it? I mean, you know, you, you can't expect to have everything planned out exactly the way that you've written it down on a piece of paper. And so you have to be able to react to situations as, as they come. And I think that the Sharks are uniquely capable of doing that. and that That's what makes them a, a real threat this year. Well, Dan, I will let you go, but uh, it's been great listening to your broadcasts as these games continue to pick up in intensity and get deeper into the postseason, and I look forward to uh, listening to you hopefully for another month, if not longer. All right, my friend? I love it, Ted. Talk to you soon. Again, that is Dan Rusinowski, the radio play-by-play voice of the San Jose Sharks. And remember, you can use the NHL app or kfox.com to sync your viewing of the Sharks playoff games with Dan's radio broadcasts, which is the best way to take in each and every Sharks playoff game. All right, let's get into some of this post-game sound. Let's talk about what everybody had to say about Logan Couture's performance, starting with the head coach, Pete DeBoer. Yeah, big game player, you know, and we had a, we had a bunch of big efforts tonight, but he was right at the top of the list, and you, know, you take it for granted. He does it all the time, and, you know, in my time, 
here. He's he's done that regularly at this time of year. So, um, you know, big big game player, big play, and I think the right result for for the work we put in tonight. I think, you know, the fact we didn't find a way to get three, four, five goals, you know, uh, at an earlier point in the game was probably the difference. But you know, it doesn't matter. I think it was the right right result. And Martin Jones weighed in on number 39 as well. He's clutch. I mean, big games, big moments in games. He's a guy that uh, every time you can rely on. So uh, he was huge again tonight. And then Logan chimed in on the performance and what this game meant to him. A lot. Uh, this is what uh, what you play hockey for. This is what you play 82 games for. I've been fortunate enough to play in some very good teams, and we've only missed the playoffs once since uh, I've been in San Jose. And, uh, these, these games are so much fun, and uh, you're playing for the ultimate prize. So uh, it's just a lot of fun playing hockey. Now the Sharks gave up the equalizer to tie things at two later in the third period, but they didn't panic. And just 65 seconds later, Logan Couture was able to find the back of the net to give the Sharks the 3-2 lead they would never turn back from. But Couture talked about just the overall team dynamic that allows them to keep their cool in these situations and retake the lead. Um, Same as it has been all year. That's, that's positive about our team. Um, probably the, the best attribute we have is the calmness. When we give up a goal, there's no panic. Um, just stick with our game, and uh, that's what we did. We had a, a couple good shifts, and then uh, I was able to pop one there. And Loco also weighed in on another stellar performance from Martin Jones. Yeah, he was, he was great. Uh, I thought, yeah, we came out quick. We responded. I thought we had a very good first period after that. I thought... You know, we could have had three or four. Um, same with the second. We, we missed some very, very good looks to, to build in our lead, and that's something that needs to change going forward. When we have a team 2 nothing, and we get some good looks, we got to stop, start putting the puck in the net. But, uh, yeah, Joyner made some big saves for us. And then Martin Jones himself after the big 4-2 win. Again, the San Jose Sharks undefeated this year when giving up two goals or fewer. Here's Jones after the win. I thought we played really well. They had a couple good pushes, uh, you know, one right at the start of the game, and, uh, a little bit in the second period there, but I thought we defended really, really well. Um, you know, the only time uh, was the McKinnon goal that they really had a lot of time and space. So, uh, yeah, it was good. I thought we defended well. Yeah, the team did defend particularly well, especially so on the penalty kill. Here's Pete DeBoer on that subject. PK was great. Uh, starts with Jonesy. Um, I thought our defensemen as a group, you know, we had some guys have some great nights. I thought I thought uh, Vlasic was great. I thought Brawny was great. Uh, Bernsey and Carlson were were real good again. Dilly gave us some good minutes, um, you know. But the PK I, I thought was good, and I think it's been good all series. I know we've given up, I think one or, or two, but uh, uh, I like how it feels. I think we're we're killing with some confidence, and it starts with your goalie. And for Colorado, they know they missed an opportunity last night, and Jared Bednar, the head coach of the Avs, was very explicit in detailing just why. Yeah, well, that's the whole idea, right? If you're going to defend properly, you got to get above checks, and you got to have three guys back if three are coming at you, or four back if four are coming at you, and you got to make sure that you're disciplined with the puck and put it in behind them and go to work, and we didn't do that. For In the first period, I think we had the right intent. Okay, but they we we were all of our dumps were soft and cute. They must have knocked down six eight of our dumps at the tops of their circles, and their D don't have to. They're just gloving them down and punching them back up the ice, and their D didn't have to turn, and we didn't get a chance to forecheck uh, consistently enough. And and then we had some, you know, we're forcing plays and getting cute with it in the neutral zone, and 
and that led to some some chances against. And then we did it again in the second, gave up a breakaway on a cute play at the offense's own blue line. And even at the end, like we tie it, we're we're. We're cooking with gas. We're going at them, you know, emptying the tank, and we tie it. And then they shoot a puck down the ice, and and you know, one guy goes back for it, and everyone else watches him work, and it ends up in the back of our net. You can't do that. Like we're there's just too much rest in our game tonight. The execution was poor. And that's the hard discussion to have sometimes. Is it the execution? Is it the talent you're going up against? I'm sure for Bednar, he wants to view it as something he can coach his way around and he can raise the level of his players too. But when I'm watching this, the reason the Sharks are winning is because top to bottom, they are better. They have greater depth of talent. And I don't think that Bednar can coach his way around that. That being said... I'm not going to be shocked if this series goes seven games. I'm certainly not going to be shocked if, after game four, this series is level at two games apiece. I fully expect that. I don't know that that will happen, but in terms of what I think is a realistic opportunity, 2-2 after four games in two very different environments, and again, the Sharks coming off an insanely rough seven-game series against Las Vegas, it's not out of the realm of possibilities in the slightest. And again, it's something that's more of an expectation as opposed to a maybe. But again, we are learning more about this Sharks team. They had to dig deep last night. They were on the ropes in that third period. There's a lot of other teams that would have wilted there. There's a lot of other teams that would have just not necessarily rolled over, but they just wouldn't have been able to dig deep enough. And it comes down to the efforting. It comes down to the desire. It comes down to the want. And that was on display for the San Jose Sharks in a Game 3 win that allows them to take a 2-1 series lead. Now we look at Game 4. It's going to be another huge test. It's going to be another physically draining matchup at altitude. But the San Jose Sharks, they keep on proving everyone wrong. All right, that wraps it up for Morning Tide. Again, a huge win for the Sharks, 4-2 over the Avs to take a 2-1 series lead last night. And now we look forward to game number four, which means I'll be talking to you all on Friday morning. A big thanks to Dan Rusinowski for joining me on Morning Tide. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. Thank you for listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide with Ted Ramey. Music composed by Yogi Yend. New episodes appear each morning after Sharks playoff games on the Sharks Sharks digital digital platforms. platforms.